of you have been asking me specifically about, so uh, I'm kind of anticipating that this might be a, a big uh, Q&A, or it might not be at all. We'll see how that goes. So our current series is about what's next, waiting for the kingdom to come. And uh, we've covered the idea of replacement theology and missing the point of the gospel as a problem. We've talked about the creation that was, the present one, which is where salvation is taking place, and then the new creation that will come after the kingdom. We've talked about salvation being through the Jews, that God created Israel to be a light to the nations after he had created the nations at Babel. That the covenants belong to Israel, but they include a focus that includes we Gentiles. The gathering of Israel and the kingdom to come requires resurrection. We'll see that in in, uh, more detail today. And the return of Jesus will bring about the beginning of this restored kingdom to Israel. So that kingdom is the restored kingdom of David with Jesus sitting on the throne of David with Israel as the head of the nations. And as we just uh, had recited at the ark, uh, the, the word the, the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem in that context. And that is going out not to Jews because they've been regathered. It's going out to the nations. The gospel then is the good news of peace. Things that bring joy, salvation, and the reign of the God of Israel over all the earth. Which is to the Jews first, and also to the Gentiles. But we also talked about why Jews have not received Jesus as the Messiah, in in large part. Uh, Some through their own lack of faith, for sure. Some probably damaged by Christian anti-Semitism. Some have been temporarily hardened in order to allow us Gentiles to come, uh, to come to faith. But also there is the purpose of God that we're going to see in the next few weeks as we look at the events that uh, precede the end of the age. Last week we looked at us bearing the image of God and, and bearing the image of His Son as we come into adoption. That would be... Uh, like bar mitzvah and confirmation, coming into adulthood in the faith, which will take place at the resurrection, which Paul calls the redemption of our bodies. So today I want to talk about um, the rapture. So we're moving towards the end times and what the sequence of events are going to be. And by the way, starting next week, I will have some uh, charts that I will share. I'll make them available, but also share them when we're when I'm speaking about them. Uh, because the establishment of the kingdom and the new Jerusalem and the new creation to come into fullness really needs to be understood in, in terms of some issues that the church has missed. But I have to talk about a popular view related to the resurrection which really doesn't have a real biblical basis in the way it's being talked about. And of course, I'm talking about the rapture. And if you look at the title of this sermon, it's the rapture, disappearance, or visible ascension. I want to talk about that. I grew up, like many of you, being taught that Jesus visibly ascended into heaven and that he would come back visibly at the second coming. But I was also told that before that happened, 
all the Christians would disappear in a secret coming of the Lord. That we and the dead in Christ would be taken to heaven for a period of about uh, seven years. Some people say three and a half, but seven years. And we would be with the Lord while the earth went through this terrible time of the wrath of God and the great tribulation caused by the beast, also known as the Antichrist. And he would almost destroy the Jews who are still on earth, but God would preserve this 144,000 of them, sometimes called 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams, who would be evangelizing uh, until the Lord returned visibly to establish the kingdom of God. This was called the pre-tribulation rapture, which would precede the millennium, and so the view was called the pre-trib, pre-mill view for pre-tribulation, pre-millennial return of Christ. Uh, what that means is, before the tribulation, the Lord would come secretly, whisk us away, and he would come back before the kingdom, visibly to establish the kingdom. Now there were some competing views on this. Uh, but this one was the most popular, particularly during the Jesus movement of the 1960s and 70s. And many evangelicals, Baptists, and Pentecostals held to this view. Uh, the more liturgical churches tended to hold to an all-millennial view, so they didn't have any notion of a rapture at all. Now this, this comes from a passage that we need to look at. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses 13 and 18, those are the verses that I listed for you. So I'd like you to turn to that. We're going to look at some other passages. This one's really important. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18 says this. And it's a passage you're very familiar with. We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, meaning dead, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. The unbeliever has no blessed hope of the return of the Lord. We do. But the concern here is, what about those who have died? And that should give us some information. He says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him, that is, with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Now, what is he saying? Very clearly, that when Jesus returns, he's going to bring those who have died and gone to be with the Lord with him when he comes. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain, in other words, alive and remain on the earth, until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, or the shofar of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Now, verse 17 contains the basis for the common notion of a rapture, a catching up or a snatching up of believers by Jesus. 
The word in the Greek here is harpazo, and it means to grab and pull, or to snatch or to seize, in the sense of you grab something. We've all seen this. We've all done that. Where a kid is doing something, and we there are little kids running, and we grab them, and we pick them up. Right? That's what's going on here. All right? So, it's, uh, it's being moved, grasped, and moved by some force. Now, the Latin Vulgate text of this verse uses a Latin word called rapima, which means to abduct or to remove. And this rapima is where the word rapture comes from. It's a transliteration from the Latin translation of 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Now, uh, there is nothing in any of these words that con- that has a connotation of disappearing, only a forced removal. I think of it something like the tractor beam in Star Trek, where they lock onto that ship and then they start pulling it in, right? The speed of the movement is not contained in the word itself. But the text does tell us several things. First of all, because Jesus died and rose again bodily, those whose bodies have died and are now with the Lord, God will bring back here with Jesus, with Jesus, when he comes. And he tells us that by the word of the Lord, we who are alive at the time of his coming will not precede those who are asleep or dead. Well, what word of the Lord is he talking about? And proceed to where? And proceed to what? Okay? Because certainly the dead have already preceded us into heaven. He could have just said that. But he's talking about them coming out of heaven back here. So he says, The Lord will descend with the voice of the archangel, with the shofar of God, that will signal the dead to rise. They will rise from their graves and ascend up to the Lord first. We don't have a full idea here, but it sounds like their spirits that are coming with them will enter into their resurrected bodies, and then they will rise up to the Lord. Then he says, we who are alive and remain on the earth will be caught up with them to meet the Lord. We'll be grabbed and brought up with them to meet the Lord in the air. Now this word air is... Uh, in the clouds is the idea of the atmosphere where the clouds are. Uh, And so we will ever be with the Lord. It doesn't tell us where he's going in this text. Certainly not back to heaven. Uh, He could just have their bodies rise and go up with ours change. You know, the, the resurrection is happening on earth and I need to clarify a point. Because Paul says that he's assuring us that This is true by the word of the Lord. So what word of the Lord is Paul talking about? Where the dead in Christ rise first, and those who are alive are are gathered with them. Well, let's take a look at John's Gospel. John's Gospel, chapter 11. You guys know this text very well. John chapter 11 is the story of the death of Lazarus. And in verse 21 where Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, 
um, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give it to you. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And she said, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Now listen to Jesus. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. That's resurrection. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That's the life. In the same context, Jesus is saying, I'm the one that's bringing that all happening. When I come, I'm going to raise the dead and I'm going to transform and gather those who are alive. Now, we need to know what we're proceeding into. And to do that, we have to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and you're familiar again with this passage, we're familiar with these, but we read our word pictures into them. You'll notice that there's been no verse yet that says anything about anybody disappearing. So here's, here's chapter 15, verse 15. Paul says, Now I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the, imperish- the perishable inherit the imperishable. In other words, we can't enter into the kingdom of God in these bodies. Which mean, and we can't enter into the kingdom of God without a body, because they have, the ones who have died have not entered into the kingdom of heaven, or, or the kingdom of God, or the restored kingdom, because that's going to be on earth. So we can't do it in these bodies. We can't do it in these bodies. So he says, I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. Now, I always love to use that verse and say, this is the verse we should have in the nursery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. But that's out of context. But we've taken a lot of these verses out of context. So here's what he's saying. All of us are not going to die and go and be with the Lord. Some of us are going to live, remain, until the coming of the Lord. But whether we are with the Lord or whether we remain, we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Because this perishable, talking about the body, must put on the imperishable. And this mortal must put on the immortality. And when that has happened, he says, when we have put on the imperishable, and this mortal has put on the immortality, then will come about the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. Now, I I want you to catch this. We cannot enter or inherit the kingdom of God in these bodies. The dead will not precede us into the kingdom by going to heaven. They have to be resurrected to enter into the kingdom. And we will be caught up with them. We will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We're not going to disappear in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The text never says that. It has never said that. Though every time you read it, that's what you thought. He's talking about the transition from mortal to immortal. That will be instantaneously. It'll be that quick that we who are alive 
will be changed into a body like his. And the dead, their body will be raised in that same deal. The trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, and we will be instantaneously changed and then ascend into the sky with them and with the Lord. There's no disappearance in these verses. We will then proceed into the kingdom with the Lord, and the believers, both previously dead and those who remained alive, will come with him as he steps on the Mount of Olives from where he ascended. Now, where am I getting all of this? I want you to turn with me to a passage we looked at uh, in one of our earlier series, Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, and we'll pick it up at verse 29. Jesus has already talked about the abomination of desolation and the tribulation that is going to come upon the believers there. And then in verse 29 he says this, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, that's the uh, earth, and from the one end of sky to the other. In other words, as Jesus comes back and he's visibly seen and the world goes, uh-oh, we're going to rise up, be with him in the air, and the, and the angels are going to gather us. This is not a secret thing where we disappear. Jesus has talked about the Great Tribulation, when the world will hate us. He talks about the abomination of desolation, standing in the holy place. Here he says, after the tribulation, these signs, the sun turning to darkness, the moon to blood, the stars following, the world will then see him coming in the clouds, and his angels will come and gather his elect from the earth and the sky. There's nothing here that is secret, and there is nothing that is disappearing. We will ascend in front of them and they will know that our God is God and that Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Now this appears to make it pretty clear that we're not going to be secretly raptured and go off to heaven. It gives a clear indication that the coming of the Lord will be visible and the dead in Christ will come to life instantly and rise first towards the Lord as he comes, then we who are alive will be changed instantly into our immortal bodies, rise into the sky to be gathered by the angels to the Lord, so that we can proceed into the kingdom. Now that order is specifically the order that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 again. I want to go back to that, to an earlier passage, so you can see that. Though I think most of you know this text, verses 17 to 23, where Paul says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you're still in your sins, and those who have fallen asleep have perished. But we have hope in Christ in this life, 
If we only had it in this life, we're of all men to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. His resurrection guarantees ours. For since by man came death, by man came the resurrection of the dead, as an Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, that took place at his resurrection, after that, those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. Now that's a fascinating thing because then comes the end should let you know there's another resurrection at the end, but it's not ours because we're his at his coming. Well, that comes from a text in the Older Testament in the book of Daniel. So I'd like you to turn to the book of Daniel real quick. And then uh, when you get to Daniel... You probably get there before me. I went. I went too far. Daniel chapter twelve. Daniel twelve one and two says this. Now at that time, this is talking about the end. Michael, the great prince, that's the archangel, right? Who stands guard over the sons of your people? He's the prince of the people of Israel. Will arise. There will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. Clearly the Great Tribulation. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued or saved. There is all Israel will be saved. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. These, he's saying that, that sleep, uh, to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. There's two resurrections here. One of the righteous and one of the unrighteous. And, da and Daniel, who's closely related to Revelation, Revelation actually closely related to Daniel, has that same thing. And John tells us that in Revelation chapter 20. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 1, John says this, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the keys to the abyss, the pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, bound him a thousand years. And he threw him in the abyss and shut it and sealed it so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were complete. And then he has to be released a short time. Verse 4 is critical here. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus, because of the word of God. Those who had not worshipped the beast or his image had not received the mark on his forehead, on their hand. They came to life, there's the resurrection, and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death, talking about the lake of fire, has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. This 
kingdom that we call a millennium because of the thousand years will have thrones with Jesus over the over all of Israel, the apostles over the twelve tribes, and there will be those under over the nations based on the Lord's pro- providing that. And that means those resurrections are separate. Now, many of us have been tricked into thinking that we're going to disappear and escape the tribulation of the last times. But that's not really found in the scriptures. Some verses are kind of taken out of context that talk about wrath and tribulation, but they're not talking about this. What is found in scripture is that the dead will be made alive in Christ, and those who remain will be changed in a moment. And we will be gathered and ascend up together with the Lord. We're actually going to be carried there and and brought there by the angels. It's amazing how much we think the Holy Spirit does all of this stuff when the Bible talks about the angels doing it. The angels will bring us together with the Lord in the clouds. You and I don't know if we'll remain alive to the coming of the Lord. If not, we're going to die in the Lord. We're going to be with Him. And He's going to bring us back with Him when He returns to establish the kingdom and raise our bodies from the dead and gather us together. We will not miss out on the kingdom by our death. However, we may miss out on the tribulation at the last time. And that may be part of what Paul's saying Comfort one another with these words. That actually dying before the end of time is not necessarily a bad thing. Paul says, I desire to die and be with the Lord, which is better than this. And yet to remain for you, with you, is better for you. And he understood that in the world we will have tribulation. If we live to the time... The Lord will be with us, as he promised. He said, don't even worry about what you will speak, because those words will be given to you. The the Lord will be with us, because whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So what we need to do is we need to rethink all of these events without that disappearing act in our head. And we are going to consider the signs that he gave us of his coming so that we will be prepared. Now, we're not going to get it in exact detail because he said no one knows the day or the hour. But he said there would be seasons that we couldn't understand. So we need to be prepared in the event that we remain to the coming of the Lord. If we don't, we need to be sure that our children are prepared. If terrible, terrible things happen and you've been told that the Lord will come back before they happen, you're going to have a faith crisis. Now, I believe God will get us through any faith crisis, but I don't want to set people up for that, because that's not what His Word says. So, next week we're going to start looking at the sequence of the events and the signs that He gave us before He came, and I'll give you some charts and help you with that, But I wanted to get this disappearing act somewhat out of your mind because most people when they read these verses kind of see that as the first event. We disappear and then all this stuff happens. And that's not exactly what the scripture says. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll do a Q&A.